Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. It was uh, like 30 degrees last week, and today it's 70. And so we have a convertible C8 Corvette in the drive. Indeed we do. Which is going to be in a TV episode, which we're very excited about. We've actually got it in a TV episode for season eight because we haven't had the convertible on camera yet. Yeah, right, right. However, because it's Utah in the winter, something I we typically really appreciate, the press fleet delivered it on winter tires. Well, they're just protecting their investment. And they, they're protecting... They what bonehead journalist is going to do something bonehead? So they just thought, let's you know reduce the boneheadedness and put winter tires on. Well, they're also defending against the fact that three days from now it's going to be twenty. Indeed. So, You've but got this so we perfect have perfect week of weather. <laughs> we have this amazing so time to shoot thrilled. a convertible because it's seventy degrees with winter tires. But hey, you know what? It'll also be something that we can drive when it does get cold, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, GM called and said, "Hey, here's the week we're going to deliver the C8 convertible to Utah. Do you want it?" <sighs> sure. I guess. All right, fine. I suppose. <laughs> We're thrilled to have it. Yeah, it's it very cool. It gets so many looks. Oh, my Everybody gosh. Everybody in my neighborhood is breaking their necks mm-hmm. to look at it. Mm-hmm. There's enthusiasts who watch the show who are in my neighborhood. They've okay. finally yeah, connected yeah. the dots because That's funny. they walk by with their wives uh-huh. and see all the transporters dropping off cars and say, now, what do you do again? <laughs> and I'll tell them. Are you a drug dealer? Do <laughs> like, you sell cars? What's going on? Yeah. Toyota send you all those? Yeah. Like, where are you getting these cars from? And I say, no, 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 no. Here it is. Yeah, yeah, the show. Yeah. And so they've been watching the show okay, and cool, they come good. by. And so now they're like, oh, what does Paul have? So now they're slowing down past my house to go, <laughs> what's in the driveway this week? Yeah, for sure. It's ridiculous. It's and cool, so they're but it's ridiculous. they're just their neck. So I was showing it to a few people and you know they were really appreciating it. But otherwise, they're just not here. They're not no, they around, are. especially the convertible. I, I had it in the in the pickup line at school today because we just got it today. And I thought, I, I should loved, take it over and I, I should, I should pick up, up my son, son in this. <laughs> And everybody was looking, which is crazy because here's the thing. On one level, I'm very glad. On another level, it's a Chevy Corvette. I, I didn't pull <laughs> it's in. It's a Chevy. I, well, that's the thing. I, I, I didn't pull in in a McLaren. I didn't pull in a Lamborghini. I didn't pull, which in Park City is possible, by the way. True. Even though True. I've never seen it done. Yeah. But uh, And the, the Lotus is by far the most, plus it's in school bus yellow, by far, yeah. far the most exotic thing that shows up in the, uh, in the school line. But I pulled up, and it's this, it's this kind of carbon gray, so it's also a subtle color. Storm gray metallic. Oh, yes. There it is. So anyway, and, uh, and I pulled up, and everyone was looking. I'm so glad because it's sort of like, here's what you could be driving. (laughs) This works for school pickup, too. That's how I feel in the Lotus every day. I'm like, life choices, people. Yes, you brought your huge SUV to pick up your one child. I brought my tiny little sports car to pick up my one child. But anyway, yeah. (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. We have car conclusions. Many of them. Some of them are going to be pretty uh, pretty fun here. We also have a car debate from Jeffrey R., who is moving to Germany and asks us, what would we buy he currently drives a Tesla Model 3 Performance. It's mm. served him well, but he's moving to Germany, and their charging system is different, so it's not practical to take it, he says. So he's looking for something fun. We'll get to that debate in just a bit, but we must dive into Topic Tuesday, car conclusions, starting off with Thomas D. for Gary in Oklahoma. So Thomas writes back. He says this was a car conclusion for his dad, Gary, who was featured in podcast episode number 505. He was excited to be featured on the podcast. Gary, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And and to both of you, he said this has led to many hours of car conversation and father-son bonding. That's so good. I love that so much. That's great. Yeah. Well, he said he felt validated about minis. He said they were were put on the back burner once he started digging into other cars. Okay, right. And Gary talked for several weeks about a hardtop convertible 335iS, which surprised him. And it turns out Thomas' dad, Gary, is a closeted BMW enthusiast. What what I like about that. There's no reason to not put that out there. Come on. What I like about that is Thomas suddenly discovering, Dad, you like BMWs? Or bonding ensues. Somehow in all of their conversations about both being car guys, that had never come up. (laughs) <laughs> and now dad's excited about convertible 335 ISs and son's going, when did that happen? Who are you? What? What's going on? Yeah. What did you do with my dad? Now, Gary 
thought, uh, well, he, he found out somebody was selling their 2004 GTO, mm-hmm. test drove it, and was reminded of his high school Camaro. As you would be, yes. Because the GTO scratched that muscle car itch. Totally. But it made him reflect on other significant cars in his life. Mm-hmm. He said he realized the car he wanted more than anything else was the one he'd be talking about for years, which is a Porsche 944. Very cool. So he found one. With renewed enthusiasm and newfound confidence, he presented his case to the <laughs> Minister of Finance. Sorry. I just had a thought. Uh, Mandy, I know you're listening. Mandy is awesome because she handles two things for us. She handles, uh, if we have meetups, she organizes those. Yes. All the, the, and many the, of you have met her. Yes. Yeah. All of the, the itinerary for our meetups is done by Mandy. She also is the one that spearheads our shirts winding up on blip shift. So I am announcing this publicly, and I am putting Mandy on notice. We need a Minister of Finance shirt. Yes, that's a great idea. Yes, why haven't we thought of that? I don't of know course. what it looks like yet. We need to get a design for it, but we need a <laughs> I talked to the Minister of Finance shirt. That's great. <laughs> because you and I have actually had now at this point a lot of conversations. That has just permeated all of you as the audience because the number of emails we get that somehow reference the Minister of Finance, it's a lot now. It's a thing. We also need to illustrate the one C eight Corvette monetary unit. Yes, that would be good. And as well, we need yes. to come up with a symbol for that, much mm-hmm. like Bitcoin or any of the, you know, internet currencies, yeah. the you know, some sort of finance That's shirt good. with what does that one look like? A a monetary <laughs> unit. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. All right, continuing on. To Thomas's and Gary's surprise, an agreement was reached. And the next weekend, Gary was driving 14 hours to Detroit to look at the car. He found one. He says the car was clean, had some paint issues that didn't show up in photos, which is the eternal problem from mm-hmm. buying sight unseen. Oh, I, honestly, my BMW Z4 whatever. looked pristine in photos. We got there. We're like, this is – you can't even see pristine from here. But I say that. 20 feet away, that car looks great. 10 feet away, it looks okay. Up close, it's like, that's really not good paint. <laughs> Up close, it's sort of like, ooh. Yeah. Hmm. You sure you wanted to buy this? <laughs> it was, but as you stated, it's perfect for me. Really I mean, is. honestly, as the guy that's lucky to have paint on his cars, it works out just fine. It really is. All mm-hmm. right. So, some component in the shift mechanism broke during Gary's test drive, meaning he had to finish his test drive in third gear. <laughs> okay. But that was still enough confirmation. He said, not only did he buy the 944, but he got the dealer to fix the shifter, repaint the bumper hood and front fenders. And ship it back to Oklahoma at no additional cost. They were excited to see Gary what? coming. That's really well done on that. That's awesome. So here he is, the extremely proud owner of a 1984 Porsche 944 with a five-speed manual in guards red, only 89,000 miles. That's nothing. He says he drives it everywhere, going for groceries, picking up dinner, taking his mom out for ice cream in towns that are 30 miles away. <laughs> That is fantastic, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Thomas kind of – I get this sense that Thomas is kind of going, this is still my father, right? Right. Did, what, right. What, what happened here? And I love the fact that, Gary, I like the fact that this has made you – it just sounds like it's just made you younger. I love You're just that. Like, yeah. I, how, when can I drive this car again? Thomas even sends us his favorite quotes that his father has said <laughs> since getting this car, including, I'm loving it. I'm trying not to obsess too much about what I want to fix. Just enjoy it right now. And I'm driving it every chance I get. I picked up pizza tonight. Mom's pool, cool with me just going on little cruises. Oh, man. So I just think, uh, Gary, this is exactly what we want. Absolutely. You're finding excuses to mm-hmm. just go drive and enjoy totally. and nurture that part of your life. And it doesn't have to be long cruises. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this extended road no, trip to no, no. extract the enjoyment of. No, just mm-hmm. 10 minutes away. You just yeah. took your car. You have it, and you just took that one. And and do Why the not? errands in that car. This is the thing. And I know this sounds weird because obviously we've been doing this a while. But this is the conversation I still have with myself about the Lotus. Yeah. Is sometimes I'm just headed out, and you know the weather's not perfect or whatever, and I and I, and I actually have the thought because I passed the key rack, you know, on the way out the door. I of should course. take the Lotus. I should just take the. Lotus. I know it's. I know it's a five minute drive, but why am I not taking the Lotus? And every time I do, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that was the right choice. Exactly. Thomas and Gary, thank you so much for writing. Thomas says that it has now helped Gary being pushed towards a dream he's been talking about for years. It's cool. And in this case, meeting your hero turned out to be even better than imagined. That's just awesome. I love it. I hope you enjoy. And sure, the car might need some money. Put enough in to keep it running and keep it mechanically sound Mm -hmm. and keep doing what you're doing. I love it. I think it's great. Jacob writes to us following up with his story about he had a uh, – this this story takes a couple of turns because um, Jacob accidentally walked into a room full of rakes with his wife. 
because he had a fusion he hated. He hated it. And we talked about it recently on a podcast about how much he hated his fusion, couldn't stand it anymore, was ready to get rid of it. So we did a whole car debate about the car that Jacob should get rid of and the fusion that he should he should depart with. The problem is <clears throat> um, he hadn't mentioned this thinking to his wife. That might be an important note. So mm-hmm. when you're thinking about writing in and – it does indeed get she answered, had, and then you're moving on to She had no to idea that he was this unhappy with the car. Probably let your spouse know. And she kind of found out when the debate was discussed on the podcast. Here's what I actually think happened. I, I'm reading in here, but I think Jacob got so excited about the fact that we were, he was on the podcast that he shared it with his wife and had forgotten about the fact that they hadn't really talked about it in detail. And I think she turns to him somewhere in the middle of the podcast discussion about, you dislike the, the fusion that much? And then he went, uh-oh. So then, uh, then um, to Jacob's credit, he spends a lot of time in this email then discussing how awesome his wife is. Yes, yes. But, but multiple paragraphs discuss, and, and probably rightly so, how very supportive she is. Because where this went is he tried to trade the Fusion in, and it was worth approximately nothing. <laughs> so then his wife said, why don't you trade in my car? Which she likes. Wow. It's, it's a Kia Sorento. But she's like, that's actually worth some money. Why don't you trade that in? And he's like, but that's your car and you like it. She's like, yeah, but it, it actually is worth something. Trade this in. Get yourself something you like. We'll get me another car down the line. I'll drive the Fusion. Talk about earning best wife of the year points. Wow. Yeah. I am floored. Well, Jacob had found a 2013 Volvo S60 T5 all-wheel drive at a dealership, found some twisty roads, threw it around, and he said it didn't wow me, but he liked the traction and the extra power. But compared to the Fusion, it was mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. The Volvo sold two days later, and having had time to reflect on his experience with it, which he was glad he did, he moved on. Mm -hmm. He drove a 2014 Charger RT all-wheel drive, which impressed him with big V8 power and surprising handling and a beat stereo, but he couldn't stomach the fuel economy or the fact that it sounded like a truck because (laughs) it has a truck engine that came out of a truck. (laughs) He hits that point a couple of times. He just couldn't get past the fact that it was was truck-like but still fun. That was his takeaway. Everything changed, though, he says, when he happened to stumble upon a 2008 BMW 328xi wagon. Mm-hmm. He called immediately, test drove it, fell in love with everything about it. The steering, the comfort, the cargo space, the inline six engine, the mm-hmm. noise. He had never driven a BMW before, and he would go so far as to call it a transformative experience. Except, hang on, um, uh, the the seller uh, was very excited Uh he went and got a loan. Everything was moving forward. The seller mentions in passing that he wasn't a, quote, preventative maintenance kind of guy. Yikes. Can we all hear the record scratch moment there? Right. All right. of a sudden, Jacob goes, I can't buy this car because if it hasn't been maintained, I just don't know what I'm going to do. So he, his description is he sprinted away from the deal. <laughs> Run away. Well, then the very next day, a 2010 CTS Sportwagon Premium All-Wheel Drive mm. showed up at a dealership 25 miles away from his house with that 3.6-liter V8 and a six-speed automatic. V6, yeah. Says, I couldn't believe my luck. I've always loved the look of this car much better than the sedan or the coupe. And after the BMW, he realized a wagon was a necessity for him. He's accidentally a wagon guy. <laughs> I think we're all just waiting to discover wagons. If you haven't discovered wagons yet and the benefits, then you're you're one good wagon. You're wait. one good wagon away from obsessed. He was enamored with the sound of the V6 at Redline. The six-speed automatic was light years ahead of the Fusion in terms of shift speed and drivability. You could say that about a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things about that Fusion. But he says he was hooked. It took two weeks to sort everything out, during which time he also drove a 2012 Audi A4 Avant. He said it handled well, was comfortable, but the backseat was tight, didn't have the soul of the BMW or the Cadillac. Interesting. Okay. So when, he, when the time came, he signed the papers, traded in his wife's Kia, Transferred the plate to the CTS and took the long way home. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I love that you love this car. Mm-hmm. Jacob, he, he says it's exactly where he now knows he needs to be on the spectrum of sacrifice. He gave like up a little that. comfort good. and some tech, but he gained a driving experience beyond anything he's had in the past. Okay. All right. Says it might be a wagon, but you know, it's not really a canyon carver, but it just has extra utility and it's all-wheel drive, added winter traction. And it's got that driver involvement he didn't have, and yeah. he's found it here, and he's found it with wagon utility. It's, it's a bonus in that regard. Yeah. I'm thrilled, Jacob. And it's spurred a discussion between mm-hmm. you and your wife, so keep us posted as you guys continue to investigate. And hopefully she'll think, 
why am I driving this fusion? Jake will immediately I, I turn think, to the email and say, yeah, guys. I think there's another car debate coming probably for Jacob's wife because, uh, by the way, the Kia that she was driving is gone. So, yeah. One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff, and that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of their award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Calvin from Canada writes us in response to episode 216. Wow. So three years later. We're going back. Okay. Way back in July of 2017, he was Calvin from Canada. Okay. I think he still is. He probably still is Calvin from Canada. It's just it's three years later now. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, he was writing in with a 2015 BMW M4, but wanting a change. Mm-hmm. He was struggling with the weight of the car, the turbos, the EPS. And to summarize, he was looking for something lighter, more raw, definitely naturally aspirated. He says six-speed manual was an absolute <laughs> necessity. And he says that they had, we had discussed the 718 Cayman, which checked every box except for the emotion word. Mm, okay. The turbo four-cylinder wasn't for him. Okay. All right. It was like they ripped the soul out of that car. Oh, Porsche's changed that sense, but yes. Shall I argue that point, or should well, we just watch our watch our generations of Cayman piece? Which, by the way, one of the standard comments on that on YouTube when it finally dropped on YouTube was, "Why didn't you guys have the uh, the four liter flat six in this car? Because it didn't exist at the time we did the piece." Well, true. But uh, Porsche's now yes. said, "Okay, we'll put that back in." Yeah. All right. The cars that we suggested from episode two sixteen nine forty four. BMW 2002, mm-hmm. the Lotus Elise. I did say that. He yes. says, Todd, sorry, it's too raw for him. <laughs> no problem. Lotus 7 and Caterham are, again, fun. Love it. Too raw. If you don't like the Elise, Lotus 7 Caterham is not going to work. Yeah. The C7 Grand Sport, he says he went really far down the line with, with this one, but ended up backing off. It just didn't feel special enough. Okay. All right. Lotus Avoras are apparently very, very rare in Canada. I think they're rare everywhere. That's they're the rare problem. Yeah. yeah. 997 GT3, he says the pricing in Canada was well out of reach. $200,000 Canadian. Ooh. He says, thanks a lot because you tease me with the 80000 Anyway, that's what we do. i just here to tease. They, they're 80 to 100, they're viable here, but apparently not in Canada. All right. That BMW 1M was a sensitive point because he almost bought one when they were new and turbo, but it did get a hall pass. So, yes. Okay. All right. All right. Delicious. And then finally, the NSX, the pricing and value in Canada is still insane. Couldn't do it. But he says, fast forward to 2020, something that was released that ticked every box. Mm. The 2021 Cayman GTS 4.0. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting one. Mm-hmm. And that's the car that I want. It's on its way. He's got it on order. Yep. Calvin. All right. You've you've done very well. It's got the four liter naturally aspirated motor, three thousand pounds versus thirty seven hundred in the M four, mm. four hundred horsepower in that chassis. Yes, mm-hmm. manual steering feel balance. He says the emotion is back. I agree, Porsche. <laughs> there is no substitute. Okay, all right, all right. He He's taking he... delivery, and I think by now he has taken delivery. Probably, yeah. And he hasn't been sleeping at all. Calvin, thank you for writing. And really hope you enjoy it. And send us photos, that awesome. because that's yes. awesome. And now I'm going to be jealous, because as weird as it sounds, I love my car, and I probably my next, if Someone I can ever there. Yeah, hope they're, to they're afford They're very, it very cool. Point. They're really awesome. Ben Chen wrote in, updating us on Podcast 162. We've done a lot of these, by the way. <laughs> when we do a car <laughs> conclusion <laughs> like this and the numbers jump around so much, I yeah. go, we've been at this a while. I mean, I realize last podcast was 550, but still, most of the time it doesn't dawn on me just how many of these there are. There's anyway, so Ben, you're writing in about 162. And what I find fascinating is um, there, are, uh, there are two Chevy SS in your past. That's amazing. Ben says, since the car debate on his Focus RS buyer's remorse, he has owned a red-hot 2017 Chevy SS manual during their fire sale. It got rear-ended. He was heartbroken. He repaired it and sold it because it came, became a dirty Carfax. Okay. Dirty right. Carfax. Dirty Carfax. Tonight on, I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> Next on, no. The frame had to be straightened. He thought he would keep it forever, so he didn't want a future collectible with that history. With a dirty Carfax. Dirty Carfax. Then he owned a slipstream. What's that shirt look like? Sorry, I, I just I'm, I I'm off on shirts tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> he owned a slipstream blue 2017 Chevy SS manual during a lesser fire sale at the end of the inventory. 
He lost money, as you do. <laughs> Did you buy the car? You lost money. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. He bought it from Knoxville area, drove it back to Kansas City through the Tale of the Dragon and the Ozarks, which was epic. Then he owned a Sakir Orange 2014 BMW M6 Grand Coupe. Okay. First right, automatic right. he's bought ever. He doesn't really know why he made the move. Probably because of that orange color. Well, and he thought, I, could, I couldn't I could ever own an M6, and the prices dropped far enough. He's like, I should get that M6. And then he got it and kind of went, should have kept the SS, I think. I had a friend who would buy wine based on the label design. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there's a better way to choose wine. <laughs> because as fun and cool and hip as that wine label is, the wine might not taste good. Mm, fair point. Let's fair buy point. wine based on how good it is, not the yes. label. Okay, fair, 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 fair. So I'm just saying. Oh, you know, it's that book cover kind of thing. I'm dealing with the book and cover thing right now. And yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, that brings us all to the current car, which is a Snapper Rocks Blue Metallic 2018 BMW 440i Grand Coupe X-Drive. Okay. All right. All right. He feels like an idiot since the three prior cars were all arguably more special and desirable than a mass-produced non-M car. You traded an M6 for what? Yeah, that's what he's thinking. Yeah. But six months into ownership, he realized that's part of the charm. Drives 30 miles one way for work, which is new. He says his prior commute was five miles. So he's uh, he's listening to us on his commute. That's cool. I'm thrilled. It's very cool. He drives his three-year-old for 90-minute naps. <laughs> there's, there's, 90-minute naps. There's car man fatherhood right now. Would you take <laughs> them for a drive? I will do that. I will buckle them in, and we will just go for a drive. And it, it results in naps. He loves driving it, loves piling on the miles. Can't wait to drive it in the snow, and he's dreaded winter in the other cars, especially M6, but not just because of rear-wheel drive, because he couldn't stand getting snow and salt on them, mm-hmm. because he couldn't get up his driveway, even with winter tires. But he's now not afraid to do things with the car. He took apart the interior center console because there was a rattle. He paint-corrected. He polished it. He says he drives it. He does stuff with it. He's not mm-hmm. too restricted, restrictively precious with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so liberating, he says. It looks amazing. He gets lots of compliments. And he says when it has 200,000 miles on it in four years and it's on its last breath, he can get another one because they made a lot of them. Ben, this is interesting because your story goes through in these sedans you've had some really great cars that we highly recommend. Yeah. But you land on something that because you can get it, you like it, it does everything you need to do. And because you don't feel like I've got something really special, you've just got car that you like, genuinely like, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. It's just not a special standout model. And you just realized this is really freeing. I think that that's amazing. a fascinating story, Ben. This is such such a progression here. It's like a real time progression of learning how to not be precious. And in your case, it took a slightly lesser model to make you not be precious and drive and like the car more. I think that's fascinating. And there's a fine line between being abusive and not caring and just beating something up, but that's not for the case. no reason. No. versus just enjoying it, and driving it, and being over it. Mm-hmm. No, there totally. is that fine totally. line, and it's different for every person. Uh, We're not agreed. saying there is. Agreed. Here's yeah. the line, and you either need to, you know, find that line, or you're not a car enthusiast or something. Totally. No, yeah, yeah. That varies. It goes back and forth depending on people's mm-hmm. preferences. Mm-hmm. And, you know how. How you feel about that car. I love that you found that, Ben. That's really, really fun. Ben says the Dakota Leather withstands toddlers better than Merino. Doesn't have that Alcantara oh, sh- headliner. Uh, get, sure, okay. Gets the sticky fingers and, you know, mm. kid goo. Yeah. Alcantara and kids do not mix. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a bad combination for sure. Yeah, he says. But you know what? If he could wrap up an SS, preserve it for 30 years, he would. But that's not fair to the SS. I agree. I totally agree. Somebody's going to pull one of those out in 20 years with the plastic still on the seats. And we're all, those of us that have driven it are all going to cry a little bit because that'll be one that'll be bought and still never driven. It'll appear on Bring a Trailer or some auction bidding site. And there it is, a pristine SS. And we'll all go, why? Delivery miles. Why? Plastic on the seats, six-speed manual, unicorn of a really good rear driver. And nobody will have driven it and no one will still drive it. And it'll be a waste of car. So, Ben, thank you for not wasting a car. Brian D. writes to us from episode 543. He had asked us to help him be more irresponsible. That's a scary, scary thing to throw at us. sure about that? He says he wanted to find a $50,000 rear-wheel drive manual car that would scare him a little bit, but also be an interesting conversation piece. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember. The adrenaline that you feel and the the outlook that you now have about your life and the world (laughs) is an interesting conversation piece. Oh, look, I'm not dead. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, honey. I'm back. 
Hair is blowed straight back. Eyes are super wide. I'm back. You're sunburned, but Gosh, you're super I didn't expect excited. You. Wow. All right. Well, apparently I made a compelling case with a logical and emotional argument for the C4 Corvette ZR1. I can see it. Todd hit him with the shotgun approach and named a BMW 1M, mm-hmm. first-gen Boxster Spider, Lotus Evora, the new Miata RF, a C6 Z06, and a Boss 302, specifically In a color. Lime. Yes. The 370Z and the wild card of an Alpha 4C. That is a wild card for most people. That's a yes. lot of cars you threw at them. I did, yes. Apparently, my comment about the ZR1 being a car that makes you think about what you might wear when you're driving it. <laughs> I did. Okay. Hit home for him. And he says, Todd's option of the Avor is not something he had even considered. Uh, every now and then, I, I, I actually, you know, I could do this job halfway well. Yeah. In his quest to be irresponsible, he said that did not conclude with a car that was formerly, formally recommended by either of us, but he did buy a car that was casually mentioned in the beginning of the segment. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I described it as capricious, and Todd responded by wondering if it was even affordable. He found one. <laughs> so now he's the irresponsible owner of a 1998 Dodge Viper GTS in midlife crisis red. Well done, sir. Wow. Well done. I like it has 15,000 well-maintained miles worth every bit of the $43,000 spent. That's it? That's a buy, I think. A That's GTS? a buy. Yeah. He says it's reliable. Should it maintain its value over time, he says it's a great conversation starter and with fresh tires is fast enough to safely scare him. How often are those going to need fresh tires? Often is going to be the other part of that. Glad, glad you didn't spend more than 43 grand on it because the rest is going to be tires. Unsafe yeah. scaring. <laughs> Equal opportunity scaring. <laughs> Come on. I'll scare you too. Come on. Well, here we go. On the fa- last few weekends, his wife has even asked to switch seats. That's good. I like it. Wow. So either she loves the car as much as he does or he's sufficiently frightened her with his Spirited driving, so she prefers to be behind the wheel to cut that out. That is the unknown. It's the I want to drive. Is that you want to drive because you're excited about the car or you just want me to stop driving and we aren't home yet? I've had that conversation with my wife. She's like, can I drive the Lotus home, please? And it's not because she's like, I really want to drive this. She's like, I just don't want to ride with you anymore. That's happened. That has absolutely it's happened. That for sure. subtle, well, maybe yeah, not so yeah, subtle, yeah. underhanded way. Well, apparently the car came with a 90s Viper jacket in the trunk. <laughs> what? <laughs> So he's got something to match the car and not look ridiculous while pumping gas? I'm sure you do look ridiculous, I'm ridiculous sure but that's do. fine. Embrace it anyway. I think that's fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Well, he also used the code every day on the Covercraft website to purchase a sunshade to pr- so protect glad. the Viper's interior from the Florida sun. He says, thanks for the advice and saving him money. Equal opportunity scaring. Is today an unsafe scaring day, honey? How are the tires? How's the tread on the tires today? Let's get new tires again. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Jeffrey Reed is writing to us, and he's moving to Germany... And so the question for him is, I'm going to Germany. I'll be in Europe where they have stuff we don't have. What should I buy? He currently has a Model 3 Performance. Doesn't think it's going to work in Germany for different charging networks. So he's kind of looking and going, all right, let's go. Let, what should I get? Jeff, I'll be honest. I've, I haven't looked into adapters or changing that out. Is that not even a possibility? If you really like your car and you want to take it with you, obviously it'll cost you less to ship it. It'll take a while, but you can ship it. True. And true, yeah, yeah. are there not adapters to fix? Can you not replace the cable or just, I, I don't know. I'm asking. I mean, clearly they're I've being not sold. looked into this. They're being sold over there. So something's yeah. going on, but maybe there's a, there's a difference in the way they're prepping those. I, I haven't looked into it either. It's an interesting question. The most fun car Jeff has ever owned was a Ford Fiesta ST stage three. It says I miss manual transmissions. He's owned a wide variety of cars, including an 09 Cayman S and in the past, he has always wished he could live in the European Union where there are many fun cars available, 
that we don't have here in the States. So what would we recommend buying in EU that would be as much fun as the Fiesta ST? Mm. I mean, now's your chance. You've always kind of wondered. Now's your chance. So I come to this thought to set us off, and I've wondered about Germany. When you land in Germany and you step mm-hmm. outside, mm-hmm. Uber and Lyft and the rideshare aside, and you want a taxi, mm-hmm. they're all Mercedes. Yes. Except they're not, because I've gotten into Toyota products, and I've thought to myself, I'm in Germany. I don't want to jump into a Toyota Prius. I want to be in in a Mercedes. There are a lot of them there that are taxis, though. You're right. Yeah. But most of them are Mercedes-Benzes yeah. throughout the years. Mm-hmm. But then they've got this occasional Toyota Prius, and you try to like sort of stumble and fumble so the next person actually has to take that one so you can get the Mercedes E-Class <laughs> that's after it in it's, line. I want the one behind. And they're all painted in that almost... Caucasian flesh color. It's it's, it's, it's a, a weird it's yellowy a color. It's, it's a very odd color. Yeah. Well, the question here is: you're in Germany, so when in Rome or Munich or Frankfurt or you know, as it <laughs> Rome were, or as the case may be, Germany, do yeah. you buy a German car because mm-hmm. you're there? Mm-hmm. But then the case could be made for: all right, I'm moving to the United States. Mm-hmm. Do I buy an American car? Mm-hmm. And what constitutes American car, even though I know you can wow, yeah. have the yeah, same yeah. argument for German cars, because some of them are built in Romania and Turkey and Norway and if various you, places. I'll go you one specifically. If you, right now, flew to Germany, as Jeff is about to do, mm-hmm. and you go into your BMW dealer in Munich, and you buy a BMW SUV, it was built in America. It's very true. You're standing at the mothership in in Germany, buying a BMW SUV that was built in America. The X3, the X5s, the X7s, they're Mm -hmm. all built in South Carolina. Yes. And they ship them the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) So Mm. I I love this because car design and building has become so global Mm -hmm. that it is very funny when we hear people get into ruts about, well, I don't buy a car from that country. And I'm like, from which country is that exactly? (laughs) Right. Because it's a complete jumble at this point. Right. It's a valid question. So it's just simply food for thought. There's no Mm -hmm. right answer here. It's just simply, what do I want to do? And Mm -hmm. you could just make the argument that you know Ford, Chevy, FCA, well, not really FCA anymore, but okay, we'll go with Jeep and Dodge and Chrysler. Mm -hmm. American cars. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're moving to the United States. Those are my considerations versus moving to Germany. You know, all the German manufacturers. So you think about if you do that, I have been eyeballing. And first of all, my budget is about $50,000. Yeah. I didn't, he wasn't specific on that. I'm extrapolating. Some, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Call it 50 K. I'm looking Jeff at the 2020 AMG Mercedes a 45 hatchback with 400 horsepower. Oh, variable torque split. Yeah. Drift yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, Awesome car. This is the car we can't get. As you mm-hmm, stated, mm-hmm. we can't get in the United States. And that's another thing. You shouldn't get a car or a trim level or a performance package that you can get in the U.S. You've I got do agree to do with that. something else. Forget where it's from. It's just something we can't get here right now. I totally agree with that. The turbo on this little car is cooled by water, oil, and air. <laughs> that turbo's going to get hot. We it, need to throw it all at it. Hot. Let's let's solve that. 400 horsepower out of a 2-liter four-cylinder engine. Yes. yes, the AMG boys get nuts. With a warranty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yes. <laughs> Go get that car. 50k. Yeah, We're done. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're 50,000 euros, but whatever. The number's still 50. So, who cares? <laughs> it's a 50. It's the same Moving thing. Moving on. Yeah. Exchange rate, I don't know what that is. That's my one of my top choices for you, but I moved on from there. Okay. I thought about the Cupra R. But the new Cupra Leon is a hybrid, interestingly. Okay. Right. Cupra is now its own brand. It used to buy the Seat Cupra Leon. And so I looked at the Cupra R, a hot hatch, something like that. Kind of cool, fun, German, MQB platform. Yay. Mm-hmm. I moved on from that. Okay. To the rear-wheel drive BMW 1 Series, three-door or five-door hatchback. I wondered if you could. They're that. always on my list. Yeah. I just love how they look. I know. And we didn't get them here. And they should have come here. Very cool. Other cars that turn my head at the ring are the ninth generation Honda Civic Type R. Sorry. Any the of one, the Type R's before the 10th, essentially. Right, the, right before the one we got. Yes. Pretty cool, I have to admit. And, and kind of cool styling, too. Actually, Tom did a great review of that for our YouTube channel. Yeah, that's right. That's right, right when it was at the very end of its model run, before we got the 10th one, he did one on the ninth one. It was, it's a pretty cool car, I have to admit. Super cool. But then you said you had an 09 Cayman S. How about the Alpine A110? Mm-hmm. I found the dealership in Frankfurt. It's next to the McLaren dealership. 
So you just Google be careful the, which door you go in. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. prices are going to be wildly different. Yeah, <laughs> something get get yourself that A one ten because I think both Todd and I are very intrigued by that car. Mm-hmm. It is sort of the French Cayman, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, and. Go after that because who knows how long you're going to be in Germany. It's something so completely different. I'm sure Europe is littered with those things. We get zero of them here. Yes. Go drive and enjoy that car. I agree. I love that you brought up the the Alpine A110. I actually put it in wildcard category because I don't know what Jeff's budget is. But I assume, theoretically, with the cars he's talked about, that he could get an A110. I think that's way up there, Jeff. I totally agree with you, Paul, on that. I have two others for you, though. In case you're wanting to go less expensive and looking at your car history, there's two you should take a serious look at. One is the Renault Megane mm-hmm. in manual transmission. Get the hottest one you can. Add some tasty hatch but meat. But <laughs> tasty hatch meat. Tonight on anyway. But the Renault, Renault Dirty Mag- Carfax and tasty hatch Exactly. Uh, what? The, the Renault Megane is a surprisingly good hatchback. It's one of those that whenever they do the monster hot hatch comparos, it's always one of the top two. It, they're always way up there. They're really, really good. So look at a Renault Megane. And then, I'm sorry, but I feel like there's an obvious answer here that I don't want to miss. One of your favorite cars you've ever had, ever, and you owned a Cayman, mm-hmm. was the Fiesta ST you had here in the States. Yeah. So I have to go there. They've updated it for Europe. Get the new one. <laughs> and it's supposed to be even better. Tom has told us more than once that it's even better than the prior one that we got. Yeah. he has, yeah. Honestly, the first time he told me about it, I kind of had to tell him to stop talking. Because I was getting so so frustrated that it wasn't here, and he was going on and on and on. Yeah. You like the Fiesta ST. It won't be expensive. They have them there. Get the new one. Oh, yeah. They're supposed to be phenomenal. So if you're not going to go as far as the Alpine A110, maybe it's time for the Fiesta ST Forbidden Fruit We Don't Get Here or that Renault Megane. Jumping in with questions, I'm going to start right here with Instagram. Uh, Gavin Boy asks, is it possible to have fun in an autocross in a manual transmission car if you can't heel tow? Oh. He finds heel towing very difficult. A couple of things. First off, if you have a manual transmission car and you don't know how to heel toe, you know how you get good at it? Trying it. Yeah. Trying it when trying it when you don't need to. Trying it because you're headed to a stoplight. Can, can I do it? I'm, I'm rolling to a stoplight right now. I'm, I'm just kind of going to coast up there anyway. Could I actually blip the throttle and downshift right now? When yeah. I first had my yeah. Saab 92X was when I really legitimately taught myself to heel toe. Okay. And that's right. how I did it because right. I was it was my daily. I drove it all the time, rain, shine, nasty weather. It was it was a great little hatchback for that. And I had a very average 5-speed manual. Yeah, but it's so fun when you start to do that and then you start to match the revs. Then you exactly, start to like it. Just, exactly. So, yay. first thing I would say to you is you can get better at heel toe by just trying to do it when you don't need to do it. Do it when you're just relaxing. You just try yeah. it out. Yeah. But having said that, I don't think that that's going to hinder your ability to enjoy autocross. I think autocross you're going to find fun, period. Plus, I don't think of most autocross as being massive shifting events. You're never up to third gear. No. Really? Very it's rarely, like yeah. Second, mostly, and first, I suppose, but mm-hmm. depending on what kind of car you're taking, if it's turbo, mm-hmm. okay, maybe you're dropping a gear down to first to really get some power out maybe, of it. Maybe, yeah. You might be able to do the entire course in second. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, maybe first to get rolling, but then do the entire thing in second, and you're good. Just take it from you know three to six thousand RPM. You're just back and forth all the way around yeah. the course, depending on what you're doing. Runs over in a minute, yeah, exactly. or less. I, I, most and look, it's going to depend on what group are you with, and the autocross is going to change every time. So maybe you'll find one where you're like, man, I really wish I could downshift sure. fast here. But sure. I think by and large, I don't think of autocrossing as wow, I did a lot of shifting. I don't <laughs> I think was up of to that fifth and then fourth and. Then- <laughs> Somebody, got I came. Hurt I came down three gears in that corner. Not happening. I was thrown clear, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, Gavin, I hope that helps. Drew V says it seems the automotive world is finally moving past the crackling exhaust fad. Thank goodness. Mm. What do we think the next fad is? I think I have it, Drew. I heard an Audi e-tron next to me just yesterday. It actually has an accelerative sound from the outside. Mm. I was. In a slow car, and okay, yeah. I was thinking, I was in the expedition. Yeah, I was thinking, you better punch it because the expedition's not fast. <laughs> you better beat me off the line to that next corner because I'll take you if you don't. I'll put you into yeah. the wall. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm thinking. Put you into the wall with your electric Metaphorically car. Metaphorically speaking, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd be fine. I'd let him in. Not really. <laughs> but he took off, and I heard this new accelerative sound coming out of it. Okay, 
And I thought, there it is. Everybody's going to be modding their car for sound, their electric oh, car for sound to oh, do different things. You can mod it to however you want, to sound oh. however you want. It doesn't even have to be an internal combustion engine sound anymore. It's going to be the car equivalent of ringtones. Yep. You've just horrified me. Yep. Get ready, world. Because you remember when you know when, <laughs> when cell phones could first do custom ringtones? Uh-huh. Everybody was trying it out. People have people have thankfully backed that off. I mean, you hear you still yep. hear weird ones, but people have kind of backed it off. It's like the average person has what? Like a song, maybe. That's as weird as most people's get. Yeah. By the way, side note, uh-huh. you know the air raid siren noise that an iPhone comes with? Yeah. That some people use for an alarm? Yeah. That sounds like the klaxon, like, it sounds like that terrible klaxon horn. My father has that as his ringtone. His, <laughs> what? His, his ringtone. That's so, so jarring. It's, it's horrifying is what it is because he'll be sitting on the couch at my house when they come visit and he's got his phone in his back pocket and somebody calls him. And guess what happens when that sound emanates from anywhere in the house? Everyone in the house gets tense. Everyone freaks out. And he answers the phone like you would when you hear that sound. Yes? Hello? What? Yes? (laughs) And I just keep thinking, oh, let's just get a calmer ringtone. Let's just change that to something else so we don't have to answer like a bomb just went off and we need to get underground. (laughs) Anyway, but but you've horrified me because you're right. If that can be Uh changed, then we are in a world of, I just discovered, look what I can do. Which you know, anything on a car can be changed, but it's not so readily available. It's not offered by the manufacturer, whatever. And that's why everybody likes to do the thing Mm -hmm. people can't tell you to do. Somebody hacked the Volvo 112 miles an hour speed, top speed limit. Of course they did, yeah. And made it faster. It was a matter of time, of Of course. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They've done that, and so it's going to be modify the noise that comes into your electric car to, and all the noises, not just the mm-hmm, acceleration mm-hmm. sound, but modify it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a package you can buy. Be Real Swami says, uh, what is less attractive to us? You posted the uh, Lamborghini Urus for today's uh, questions. Lamborghini Urus or the Civic Type R? What do we think is less attractive? Less attractive? I actually mm. think that the Lamborghini Urus is less attractive than the Type R. Do you? I do. I I would rather see a Type R than an Urus. I'm okay. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I I like the Urus because of the project brief. Sure. Sure. This car company that's not known for these things manages to build one mm-hmm. that is Lamborghini-esque and still has that stance and presence mm-hmm. that their supercars do. Into an SUV. It seems utterly pointless to me, but I'm still intrigued by it. I still want to drive it. I'm still, I still kind of dig the styling because it's got the presence. You know, cars that are very expensive have a presence to them. They can. Yeah. Even if you hide the badge and you don't really know what it is, it's sort of like, wow, that that thing seems special. What is that? It, it looks like a Mansory body kitted Q8. The the Mansory cars are horrific, by but, the way. But what it looks like to me. It looks like if somebody yes. took a Q8 and did a Mansory body kit and went, look what I did. And everybody goes, let's not look at that anymore. Let's I mean, not buy that. Honestly, with, with Lamborghini's history, that thing should be jaw-droppingly beautiful. It should just yeah. it should just look like, what is that? But it's just this squished loaf kind of a shape because it needs to be because it's an SUV and it's got to have space and people and cargo but it needs to be low it can't be tall but I struggle I understand that but I struggle with the fact that it doesn't doesn't look enough different than the Audi product line and I can see the lineage back to the Cayenne I'm just like Mm -hmm. okay and you didn't do it and make it sexier it's not sexy it's brutal it's brutal but what Lamborghini cars are sexy nowadays fair none they all have a brutal feel I I do take that point but I just think they're all better looking than that thing and the Type R I think actually here I'll go there. I think the Type R is great looking from every angle but the rear. And okay. I think the front three quarter or the direct front on that car looks phenomenal. It's just getting yeah. around the back and like, whoa, okay, that's okay. Now that's just too <laughs> that's much. A lot, There's man. way too much going on there. Why do we have three tailpipes? Why is one bigger than <laughs> exactly. the other? What happened with the wing? What? Whoa! I am frightened. <laughs> but every other angle, I think it's great. In fact, I love it in that blue that it comes in. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Griot's has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray-on car wash kit from Griot's Garage. 
They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside, or you're an apartment dweller, or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Madgara82 says that I mentioned something in podcast 549 that got him thinking that I'd love to have a 356 or a Gia, but then I notoriously mentioned the GT86 has me wanting for more. Mm, interesting. You're right, and I see the underlying intention and confusion here, and you're, you're going there. We're talking about if I'm going low power, powerful driver's right. cars. What's wrong with the 86 is what he's kind of saying. Yeah. The 86 can take more power. The chassis is way better mm. than the 356 or the Gia. Oh, okay, fair. It can take going. way more, and it they were intentionally holding off. Neither the Gia or the 356 feel like they can take more. They feel in that era, and they feel just as they are. They don't feel like, well, oh, we kind of held point. out on you. The 86 feels deliberately like Toyota's holding out on us, mm. and I know it can, and people have proved that in the race cars they've built and the street mm-hmm. cars, supercharged, turbocharged, and they're awesome. And I'm going, why? Why didn't you exploit that chassis to its potential? Mm-hmm. And you held out, and the tires were garbage, and you made it underpowered. And, okay, price, but if you're going to build a car like that, especially the fact that they did, mm-hmm. and then you let me down. You didn't exploit it for, and really extract all that you can out of it. Now, okay. I get that there's the Cayman and the Cayman S and the Cayman GTS and the Cayman GT4. <laughs> You've heard of that, have you? Okay, good. But from the very beginning, you feel like that chassis can really take it. And it's not like a base Cayman is underpowered. They've yeah. still given it to you. Well, but, but I'll, to I, get it all to as you. much as I really am a defender of the 86 and do love it, even in base form, I will say this to you. At least in the case of the Cayman, if you get into the base one and you go, this isn't enough power, they make a version that does have more. Yes. At least they go there. You've got to go aftermarket if you're going to do anything. And then you're doing your own product tuning and testing. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, I just want it to be more of everything I love about that car. Just turn the dials up in every, but make it all work together. <laughs> I don't have to go through the tuning. And you know, what if I buy the part that I don't like? And uh, now I'm doing my own kind of stuff. Yeah. evaluation. You know what I mean? Open Mike Knight has a question. I don't have a, a specific answer here. I have a theory. Good question, though. Why are some models referred to by their platform or chassis numbers, and some are referred to by generation numbers, mm. and some are just referred to as, I bought a 2002 of that car? And you know what I think it is? Honestly, I think this is a spill-off of the internet, the information age. Okay. Because before we all had the internet in our pocket, I bought a 1990 Nissan. I bought a 1990 Nissan Z. Yeah, yeah. How many people really knew that was the Z32 chassis? I don't think very many. Yeah, true, true. I bought a 911. What year? Oh, a 1987. How many people were talking about that being specifically the Carrera? Oh, does it have the G50 in it? I don't know. It's got a transmission. I, you see what I'm saying? I, think, I do. I like this. It's I think the explosion of information on the internet has done two things. It's made things like chassis codes more available to more people to just know. So they Mm -hmm. can differentiate. Mm -hmm. I have this specific chassis code. I have this generation, and I can tell you generations by chassis code numbers. Now, sometimes we go nuts on this podcast. 911 is a great example. The 997 came before the 991. This makes no logical sense, which leads me to my second point. I also think this is a way, because of the internet and because of current culture, we're all getting into factions. Mm. I'm in this group. You're in that group. And I think this chassis code minutia, and the other one that goes even further is engine codes. This chassis code and engine code minutia is a way to tell who's in your club and who isn't. Somebody walks in and goes, yeah. I love the old BMW M5s. And the guy that runs the club goes, oh, do you mean the E39? And the, guy, and the person walked in goes, I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Are, we, are we holding people back? Are we isolating people from the group? By, I think we kind of are That's by using engine codes and chassis codes. We get, I think this is the dark side of the fact that the information's out there. So now we as, as geek, let's be honest, we're all geeky about it. We want to be specific. I have this engine code mm-hmm. and this transmission code and that engine code. And now if you're geeky like I am, we're, we're talking a language that's our language. And you know exactly what I mean because I told you the codes. But a person that's listening is going, I've lost. 
And I like, just want to drive the and car. I can't, and yeah. I can't get into the conversation now. I think it that's has a, great a tendency point. to be exclusionary, but it started from a great place of look at all this info that's here. I think you're right about this. And the fact that doing so, you're right. It, it maybe prevents other people from just saying, I like the car. I don't know much about it, but I bought it because I, I, I like it, driving it. The I end. think it keeps car groups from being as inclusionary as they could, inclusive as they could. Mm. Robbie Burns says, for older vintage cars, what what is the line between patina and just beat up? <laughs> I think, good, Robbie. Good job on this one. Go for it. I think it is how desirable that car is or how potentially desirable that car is. Mm, mm. If you see a kind of beat up Ferrari 308, you're going to think, oh, well, that's cool. Still desirable. Mm, mm. When they cross the auction block, they're still going to be going for more money than you think they should. Sure, sure. But again, back to this Chevy SS. If a Chevy SS pristine condition crosses the block, it'll only sell because it's pristine, mm. not because it's, wow, those are, no, they actually made a few of them. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. still, you can probably get a used one for five grand. Yeah. You know? So my question to you is when you see an exotic car at a car show, the Porsches, I hate to say it, are usually the ones with the rock chips and look like they've been beat on, mm. which means the people are having fun. <laughs> Hopefully. Yes. Versus over in the Ferrari corner, they're pristine. And no rock chips, none. Mm-hmm. And they look great. But then you think, are you driving your car? Mm-hmm. Are you out there enjoying it? Mm-hmm. Does does it see dirt? There are exceptions to this rule. Mm-hmm. I'm making a broad generalization. Sure, I see where you're going. That though. Yeah. is not true in all cases. It, there are we've seen Ferraris that are beat on. We're going wow. As a matter of fact, the Austin, Texas club that we met up with in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Went and beat on their Ferraris, and we were thrilled to see that. They called it the, dis- the Devaluation Tour 2020 because they were driving their cars hard and getting rock chips and going. Bring going. that on, yeah. which is awesome. But, yeah, I, I think it's the the desirability of the car because if you see a pristine something that was never worth a lot back in the day, like a Chrysler TC by Maserati. You could see it not and desirable. You could keep walking by, yeah. That's just – if it's you know got a messed up paint job, you're gonna think, well, that's an old beat up car. You're not sure. gonna think, ooh, that adds provenance. That's the patina. This is interesting. I, I don't think there is a clear answer here, but I love one thing you said you said on on here, and that is, I do think it's connected to rarity. Very I much think, so. Yeah. I think, look that, now. I think there's a side note in car culture. If there are people that just like the stuff that looks beat on, that's a separate thing. That's just the aesthetic you like. That's a whole separate thing. But I think for car culture in general, I'll give you an example that you almost touched on. Mustangs. Mm-hmm. They made a lot. They made a lot, yeah. They made a whole lot. <laughs> but when they find the ones, that's, this happened a couple times in the past year or two, yeah. they find the ones that were used in the movie Bullet, oh, rusting away in a field. Oh, gosh, yes. And they pull it out of the field like that, and everybody goes, ah. $550,000. On one other level, oh. that's just, they made a lot of Mustangs. Uh-huh. That, 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 that's a terrible one. <laughs> But it has provenance, which makes the fact that it's a survived in any form interesting. Adam Drives asks a question that goes right back to the chassis code thing we were just talking about. But he's actually asking a question about which one would you have. He's saying if money were the same for these two cars to choose, and you're going to drive them in all conditions, fun weekend car, a little bit of, uh, of bad weather, but no real snow, just long highways, twisty back roads, would we buy, I'm going to have to decode this for the non-chassis people out there, the E46 M3 competition. Now, that is the mid-2000s iconic M3 that everybody talks about, us included, as being the one. Mm-hmm. Manual transmission, straight six, naturally aspirated. That was a pinnacle of the BMW M3. It was one of the best ones that was made. Okay? So the E46 M3 competition, which is the version of that you want, or a 1M. <laughs> Oof. Oh. I think I'd go 1M. Yeah, 1M. I think that the single year of it being made, and it really is such a greatest hits car, because the M3 is phenomenal. It, it's full stop. It's great. 
Yeah. But the 1M is a science project that turned out even better than they expected. It's just like, we'll take that from over here and this from over here and this from over there. And there we was drinking make, going on when they made that There thing. was drinking. We got to make the body weird because it's got to fit this stuff that wasn't ever designed for this chassis. And you wind up with this weird Frankenstein science project thing <laughs> that I think makes it better. Conceived during Oktoberfest. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Got it. All right. Three quick more questions here. Lightning round. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, Alpha Dragon 77 asking about your novel. Will it be available in audiobook format as read by Sylvester Stallone? I, hmm. As read by Stallone. This is interesting. Uh, 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 it will not initially come out in audio form. I hope it will. It won't be read by Stallone, but man, that is funny. Can that you, is can funny. You, can you just, all of us, can we kind of mentally, auditorially picture Stallone doing a female voice? For an audiobook, because this is My one head of the things hurts. I find fascinating about, brief side note, about audiobooks in general. When you get a novel in audiobook, I don't care if it's a woman reading or a man reading. At some point, they have to do a voice for the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. And I find it fascinating how some of them are really good at it. Yeah, true, true. And they can do, like a guy can end up doing three or four very distinctive female voices for the same novel or a woman can do the same thing with men. I find that amazing. So then I think of something like Sylvester Stallone reads a novel. Sylvester Stallone reads little women. Sylvester Stallone reads anything. Could you imagine Sylvester Stallone reads little women in audiobook form? Nope. Mm -mm. Anyway. Okay. On Twitter, Simon, MI5Mantle asks, how much for Todd to get a Lotus Cars tattoo and Paul to get a Porsche one? <laughs> there might have to be some drinking going on before deciding on that. I, I, I'm not sure there's a high enough dollar value on that yet, but we'll see. Uh, oh, I, uh, I lied. There's two more questions here. Uh, first of all, Steezy West GTS says, not a car question, but what types of music do we both enjoy? It really depends on my mood. I've talked about this before. It's Rush or Miguel Miggs or anything from U2 or Diana Krall. But our friend Josh, mutual friend Josh. Mm-hmm recently visited and identified yeah. boom bap as the stuff you want to hear just the oh. comfort feet it's like comfort food and so today it's swv love will be right here the boom a bat a boom a bat a boom, i'm gonna a leave bat. you with that that's fine you can hear it in your head uh-huh and then finally george mystic negro says are there any upcoming automotive designers to keep an eye out for and todd are there any upcoming filmmakers to keep an eye out for and when is the first episode of Schmucker on Stallone coming out? Mm. Watches whiskey, whiskey and Stallone will Ugh. be a thing. We've Yikes. already started watching films. What we decided to do, honestly, what we decided to do is when the days were really long here and the weather was amazing, the last thing we both wanted to do was sit down and watch a bunch of movies, let alone a bunch of Stallone movies. But the time has changed. It's dark here now, like dark by five o'clock and it's getting cold, mm-hmm. which is perfect time to sit down and watch a movie and just laugh and enjoy. So we'll have to over the, over the winter when we're all Can't socked in cash. over the winter. We already watched that one. We're, we're socked in over the winter. We're going to watch Jack Palance's voice. That guy. Yes. Tango and the cash. That's not bad. That's not bad actually. Yeah. <laughs> Automotive designers. Well, George, it depends on the designer creating the breakout sketch that is used for the concept and then turns into the production that turns him into the breakout designer. Mm. It's hard to say, well, all of your stuff is so consistent and excellent that you're just, you're our next designer. You're our next person. It never really happens that way. It always happens, generally speaking, per car. The project comes out and you were the inspiration and you did that sketch and that was that was made that next car, which made you, you know, your career skyrocketed. I Julian Montusay is on my mind. He is the director of design for Mazda North America. He did the new Mazda three hatch and sedan. Guy's really talented. So we were just on a, a call for the Mazda uh, two point five turbo. Yep, the turbo and, three. Uh, yeah, Julian was on there and reminded me of what a great uh, designer he is. So. Things like that, but you know, I only really know as far as the great designers that consistency. But it, it's over a career. It usually takes ten, fifteen, sometimes twenty years to become, you know, the Ian Cartabianos and you know, all, all those names that are they're they're currently leading design departments mm-hmm. and design divisions. Uh, Pierre Leclerc uh, with mm-hmm. um, Renault, I think Peugeot, or Renault. Anyway, so a lot of those guys, but it just kind of depends on the car. I will try to answer the movie question. Uh, Up-and-coming directors is hard because people will have a breakout that is like a Sundance film. 
but they might not be able to handle budget or they might not be able to handle big stars. And you don't know that until later in their career. Mm-hmm. I'll give you somebody that I think people are going to feel mixed about, but I, I want to unpack it for a second. Rian Johnson. Okay. Now you probably know him because he just directed the middle of the latest three Star Wars films. You know him because he directed The Last Jedi, which was quite controversial. Okay. Now I want to it step was. to the side here real quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I've gone to white. It was Rice controversial. Right. It was controversial. Why? It doesn't matter. Why was it controversial? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But but here's the thing that's interesting about the latest three Star Wars. This I'm going to jump back for a second to our Marvel discussion on the last podcast. Just okay. real quick. Real okay. Quick. Weirdly, because I actually heard an interview with him and other directors related to this thing. They didn't sit down. They, I mean Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, who has a great history as a producer, didn't actually map out the new three. They had it really loosely, and then they let the filmmakers they hired write a script kind of in their own direction, mm-hmm. which I think, if you compare it to the Marvel Universe, was staggeringly flawed thinking. I'm not saying tell the directors exactly what to write, but I am saying, guys, over three films, we're going to make this specific arc okay. write your portion. Okay. They didn't really do that. So what you ended up with is J.J. Abrams does a film that goes one direction. Rian Johnson goes a, does a film that goes another direction, and many fans didn't like it. So then J.J. Abrams comes back and rewrites it in a new direction again. What are we doing? Let's get a consistent flow there. That seems like chasing your tail. And- agreed. Agreed. Now, Rian like- Johnson, whether you like his Star Wars movie or not, and there's lots of things about it I do like, and there's some I don't, watch his movie Looper. That he did prior. I liked that film. That movie's much better. Are you talking about the one with Bruce Willis? Yes. That was really good. Yes, and Jason Gordon-Levitt. If you haven't seen Looper yet, do yourself a favor. Watch Looper. It's phenomenal. And then he did Knives Out recently after Star Wars. I think. No kidding. I also like that film. I think Rian Johnson is somebody to watch. I think he stands to be a Christopher Nolan quality filmmaker where everything he does that is his own, that he's allowed to do his own thing, is going to be really good. It's interesting. You identified two films that I really enjoyed. I had no idea who the director was, and they're consistently – I liked them a lot. He has That's proven in those crazy. movies he really knows how to handle very talented actors and really complex stories. Huh. Looper's one of the best time travel things I've ever seen, It's and it's just yeah. a good movie anyway. Yeah, I cool. want to watch it again now. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for all your support, your questions. So well thought out, and we're still getting through the, uh, the backlog, but uh, yeah, thank you so much. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.